Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, we, we won't be having a Mother's Day sermon today, as is my practice. Uh, go through the scriptures, text by text, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Um, but we do want to recognize our mothers today. So thank you to all of you mothers who are out there. Um, does Jesus meet your expectations? What did you expect of Jesus? Has he satisfied your expectations? Uh, Jesus here warns us, he warns his disciples about a misunderstanding of 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 an expectation of him that he did not come to fulfill. Um, and we can often have different expectations of Jesus. We might, when we think about Jesus, we might often think of, of things that really don't match the biblical Jesus. We might think of that precious moments figurine. Peaceful and serene. We might think of a hippie Jesus. That's all peace and love, right? But that doesn't match the biblical Jesus. Jesus here warns his disciples of what not to think of him as. And it should shock us. And one of the reasons it should shock us is it kind of goes against even this Old Testament expectation that we see here. Ron read a passage that was talking about a day that would come when there would be peace proclaimed throughout the land. Isaiah 53 tells us that uh, through His punishment, He has brought us peace. Jesus is called in, uh, well, the, the Messiah is called in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, the Prince of Peace. And yet here, Jesus tells us, I didn't come to bring peace. What can he mean by that? Well, he did come to bring peace, but as John chapter 14 says, not as the world gives you, but I give you peace. It's not what what you're expecting, but I'll give you peace. Let's go ahead and look at our text beginning in verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father, loves father or mother more than me, will not be is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. 
The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, where your word does not match our expectations, we pray that you would shake our expectations up. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, let us set aside our own expectations and embrace the Jesus we see in the scriptures. And if that means, as Martin Luther's hymn says, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. May we do so, so that as we lose our lives, we gain eternal life with you. Father, we love you. Lord, help me, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus begins here, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. That's a sentence, period, right there. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Now, now that's, that's, uh, that ought to shock some of our sensibilities. And just think about what the Jews were expecting at the time when Jesus came. There were these... Messianic promises that we see in the Old Testament that proclaim peace will be at the end of the age whenever the Messiah comes. And yet, here the Jewish people were living under the Roman occupation. They were living under Roman rule. And so I think they expected that peace would be brought by a military conquest. Kind of a contradictory idea. But peace would be brought, peace through strength, Peace would be brought through a military conquest where the Messiah would rat out the Romans and they would be able to have their own land and live in peace without the Romans dictating everything that they could do. And Jesus here is saying, that's not the kind of Messiah that I am. And I think sometimes we also can kind of expect a peace on our terms. A peace the way we want it. But here Jesus tells us that he didn't come to bring peace. Oh, but he did. He came to bring peace between God and man. We rebellious sinners, we who have broken his laws and have been dead in our trespasses and sins, those of us who were by nature children of wrath and enemies of God, he has reconciled us to the Father through his work on the cross. And he has given us peace with God. But oh, this life that we live in. This is is not peaceful, tranquil waters that we're sailing in. We need an anchor. Like the song we sang, Christ the sure and steady anchor, though the battle rages on. We need an anchor. Jesus then says, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
Here, the sword here, I think, is metaphorical. It's, it's not literally a sword. He's not, he's not saying that he's, he's bringing about war, but he's, he's saying he's bringing division. He's going to divide people. We'll go on, verse 36, or I'm sorry, 35. He says, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a, mo- and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm just going through verse by verse through the Bible. Just happen to come to this text on Mother's Day. <laughs> Didn't plan it that way. What Jesus here is saying is that by His coming, when people believe in Him, there's going to be divisions among our closest natural relationships. Brother against brother. Parent against child. Mother against mother. Or mother against daughter. Father against Son. All of those things. Our closest natural relationships. We think about Mother's Day and we often get very sentimental and we, we often um, think, you know, there's nobody we love more than our mothers. But Jesus demands that we love Him more. So much so that if Jesus commands us to do something that is at odds with what our own families believe, then we're to go with Jesus. And that sometimes brings division. You can think of the Islamic world and people who are from that faith who who come to Jesus, who who come to believe in Jesus and their whole family disowns them and and sometimes they have honor killings because they have disgraced the family for becoming a Christian. Jesus said He came to bring a sword. Sometimes that divides us in our own family and the closest natural relationships we have. Not only that... I, I, you know, I hate it that I use this as an illustration so often, but look at the world today. And, you know, not everybody in here is on social media. I get that. Some of us are, and we kind of see how everybody is at each other's throats. Jesus didn't come to bring peace the first time, although he will when he comes again. When he comes again, riding on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, he's going to come again and he will establish peace because all of his enemies will be put under his feet. There will no longer be any opposition. But right now, when we as Jesus' disciples speak about what he has commanded, when we talk about issues of human sexuality, When we say God has designed marriage to be a relationship between a man and a woman exclusively for a lifetime, then we get called everything. Hateful, bigots. And when we speak out for life, 
just looking at the news this week, and uh, I think every, I think everybody knows about uh, about the the case that you know, it's not even out yet officially, but there's this leak, and we know that it looks like it looks like Roe versus Wade will be overturned after 50 years, and m- most. I think I think I could say most Christians, at least most people who call themselves Christians, would agree that God designed every human life as precious, and and, and those children, though they haven't been born yet, are are created in the image of God and and have life that deserves to be re- respected and protected by law. But when we say this, our world looks at us and says, we just want to control people's bodies. When Jesus comes, he comes not to bring peace. But in this era, in in this era, between his ascension and when he comes again, he brings a sword. We live in a hostile world. And we talked about that a lot when we went through the book of 1 Peter. He divides us between our closest human relationships, our natural relationships. Verse 37, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Here he tells us our highest loyalty is to be to Him. Our highest loyalty is to be to Jesus. The old saying says, blood is thicker than water. Right? Blood is thicker than water. And for the longest time, that, sent, that phrase never really made sense to me. I think the idea is that our natural kinships through blood are thicker then I think the waters of baptism. So I think what this saying may have referenced was the idea that people are just going to stick with their family regardless of what the church says. Regardless of what Jesus says. But I think biblically, water is thicker than blood. It goes against our natural reason of the way we think of things. First Peter, like when we went through that, reminds us that we have been born again. If we are believers in Jesus, we have been born again of an imperishable seed. And the perishable seed is those natural relationships we have. The imperishable seed is when we have been born again by the Word of God. And so... Our highest priority, our highest loyalty is to Jesus. Verse uh, 38, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We lose something of this today because we don't live in the Roman world. 
We think of the cross and we think of decorations. We think of maybe a, a piece of jewelry that we wear around our neck. We think of something we put on our earrings. But in the Roman world at the time, the cross... Remember, this is before Jesus even went to the cross. He's speaking about a cross before He died on one. And what the disciples would think of in their mind was when they would go out of a city, maybe they might see rows and rows and rows of crosses with people who were hanging on them suffering in agony. And whenever someone was crucified in that day, he was forced to carry the cross beam to the place where he would be crucified. And Jesus is saying, if you want to follow him, you've got to do that. What does that mean for us? We have to be willing to suffer. We have to be willing to stand up and speak for Him in spite of the reproach, in spite of the, the, uh, the conflict that it brings, even if it means that we are persecuted, even if it means that we face a sentence of death. We have to be willing to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. And he follows that up in verse 39, saying, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it mean to try to find his life? I think this here is talking about trying to find your life on your own terms. To try to find your life on your own terms. To try to to get everything you can for yourself. To be happy. to uh, To be satisfied without Jesus. And if you try to find your life, you may have a million dollars in the bank. You may have everybody who likes you. You can sit back, relax, and kick up your feet in this life. But you will lose it in the end. But Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now this does not mean we just go on a mission to try to make everybody hate us so that we'll lose our lives and find it. No. He says, for my sake. For my sake. If loyalty to Jesus means that we lose everything, if it means we lose our family, if it means we lose our loved ones, if it means we lose all of our friends because we get Jesus, we get Jesus! If it means we lose our job, if it means we lose our livelihood, whatever, if it means we lose everything, we get Jesus and we get life eternal. This life is such a short period of time. We may live for 90 or 100 years. But it's a dot in comparison to eternity. So if we get everything we can for this dot, and then we miss out on eternity... We haven't gained much. 
But if we lose everything in this speck of time, we get everything. We get Jesus. Verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Here, Jesus promises a great reward to those who receive him. And he, remember, as we've been looking at chapter 10 throughout the last several weeks, he's sending his disciples out. They're going to go preach the gospel. They're going to go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're going to, they're going to heal. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to cast out demons. All of those things. And he's telling them, if people receive you, they receive me. And when we go out there into the world with this message that may cost us our lives, when people hear it and when they believe, they receive Jesus. He says, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. When we go out with this message, though it is controversial, though the world hates it, when people receive us, when people hear this message, and instead of persecuting us like the world would naturally want to do, they embrace it, they accept it, and they run to Jesus, they get Him. The promise goes beyond just His immediate disciples, and it goes to everyone who they send the message to. And it goes beyond just us, but it goes to everyone who we go to proclaim the Gospel to. Jesus said, the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person receives a righteous person's reward. I think there he's fleshing this out. Again, I think he's, he's telling them if they, if they listen to the message, if they hear what you have to say and they receive it, they receive me and they gain every bit of a reward as you will receive for your faithfulness. And then verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This verse has often been, I think, taken out of context. I think it's still a Christian way of looking at it, but it's not in the context that it is here. Here, Jesus, well, we often look at this verse and we think, if we just do things for good good things, good deeds for people, then we'll be rewarded. You go, you go uh, uh, do small little good deeds. You, you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. You, you take care of the poor and all those kinds of things. There'll be a reward for that. But here... The context that, I mean, if we're looking at verses 40 through 
42. He's saying here, whoever receives me receives you. Whoever receives me, uh, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet receives a prophet's reward. All of that down the line. I think the one who gives one of the little ones a cup of cold water is the person who we are taking the message to. Following the line of reasoning we see here. And the one who's receiving the cold cup of cold water, these little ones, these little ones are believers. It's us. The ones who are taking the message. You kind of have to scratch your head and think about that for a little while. But the context here, I think that's what it's saying. If they receive us, even us insignificant ones, we're not apostles, we're not prophets, we're no super righteous people or anything, we're just insignificant little followers of Jesus. Nobody special. And we go out and we share the gospel and people receive us. They won't lose their reward. That's kind of the opposite way we normally think of this text. But I think that's what the context here is saying. So let's let's tie this up. The big idea here that we've been getting across, Jesus often requires following Jesus often requires division. Because he requires ultimate allegiance. Sometimes that means we have to, in order to be faithful to him, people are going to shut us out. People aren't going to listen to us. But he promises great reward to those who receive him. To those of us who go out and send the mess, spend, spread the message and also to those who receive the message. There's great reward. I think this is encouraging to us. We're a little church. And Jesus says, whoever gives one of these little ones, that's us. Whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, and I think that is because the little one is a cold is a disciple, he'll by no means receive his reward. We go out and there's going to be people who listen. That's a good promise, isn't it? We're not going to go out and have everybody shut the door on our face. There's going to be people who listen. There's going to be people who open the door, they give us a cup of cold water, and we sit down, we share the gospel, and they listen. Heck, we've got an example of that sitting here with us. Jesus promises that there will be people who receive us when we go out with that message. So it should be an encouragement for us to go out with it, to share boldly, regardless of what the world says. And he will save. Again, I'm going to step back one minute again. I always want to, want to make sure I make this clear. I've been talking about how hard it is. 
how, how much it requires sacrifice, how much it requires that we be willing to face opposition and, and division. But I've got to come back around one more thing. It's not our willingness to say, make, make sacrifices and be ostracized that saves us. We don't do these things in some kind of a legalistic sense so that we can somehow gain God's favor. We are saved through the blood of Jesus who has given Himself as a sacrifice for us. We receive the same message that we proclaim. That Christ died for sinners. That He raised from the dead and that we can have eternal life when we look to Him. We trust in Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook. 